All right, New York, so that's what it might have looked like had Pittsburgh not been relegated to a third-string goaltender in the playoffs last spring. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. Penguins 3, Rangers 2, not exactly the mega event I'd been kind of hoping for, especially after a lot of non-mega events against non-conference opponents. This really lacked a lot, especially in the first half, and within that, especially from the home team. They were... Man, they just had nothing. I mean, nothing at all. And they spoke about it afterward pretty candidly, which is easier to do after you win. This was Mike Sullivan's assessment. You know, the first half of the game, uh, we we just weren't at our best. I don't think we had any, a, a whole lot of emotion. You know, we, we, te- we were flatlined a bit. And... Uh, we weren't skating. We weren't getting to pucks. We weren't getting on top of them, you know, putting them under pressure. I just thought it was, it just was a, it was just a lackluster kind of performance for the first half of the game. And I thought, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle of the second period, we started to get some life. We started to play with some with some juice. And, and then, you know, when we, I think when we got the first power play goal, it gave us some energy. We got a, we got a boost off of that. And, and, and then I thought from that point on in the game, we were a better hockey team. And the one guy who was there all along was the guy who's been there all along for more than a month now, playing at an occasionally elite level, but at a consistently very good to great level. That, of course, is Tristan Jari. 26 saves on 28 shots. The numbers don't tell you much about how he played. What mattered the most, I thought, was that Chris Kreider scored a goal 22 seconds into the game. Not Jari's fault remotely. The puck was floated into the air. It ricocheted off Marcus Pedersen and passed Jari. And it's not one of those that you'd be blaming anybody for. But at the same time, it's still something that can have an impact on a goaltender. Funny thing is, with Jari, though, he's given up quite a few of those this season. And if there's even one that had some kind of visible imprint on a broader performance, I don't remember it. It might have happened, but I don't remember it. Fact is, even though the Rangers kept coming... And coming, and coming way more than the shots on goal would suggest. They didn't get another one past him until Kreider scored again at the midway point of the third period to cut the Penguins' lead to 3-2. So Jari, by shrugging off that goal the way he did, by continuing to be his best self and near the end making some terrific saves, I thought that... He made look a little easier than they were, notably one with uh, 127 left in regulation on Philip Heedle that I thought was outstanding. Heedle was right between the hashes, had a turnaround, fired it low, and Jari got out his right pad. Uh, really, really well done. 
It didn't even get a reaction from the crowd, which was quite into it by this point. Not no reaction at all. It was just like, yep, there's a save. But it was terrific. And he, Jari, was terrific. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals. For those in need, visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Another thing to appreciate, I thought, was that because of the seesaw nature of the game, uh, in particular, New York getting the strong early start, the Penguins just being dead. I mean, dead. He was going to see a lot more shots at some points of the game than he was at others, and he maintained that equilibrium, too. He talked about that afterward. No, it's nice when you're not facing 40. I think it's some nights uh, you have to have different games for every scenario, and sometimes you're not going to see a lot of shots. And just being prepared for as many shots as you get, I think that's the key, and just making sure you're putting your best for everyone. Now, why would I focus on the goaltending when there was a lot else to appreciate from this and a lot else that maybe could be considered more colorful or more fun for subject matter? The reason is this. Do you remember the sentiment that was being expressed in New York and even in Pittsburgh by some cynics that this team has just totally lost it and whatever else because they blew it against the Rangers, had the 3-1 series lead? And you'd come back with, well, listen, they almost won this series with a third-string AHL goaltender, okay? Uh, They did a ton of things right. You didn't have to dig too deeply into the advanced analytics to see that the Penguins controlled possession and a lot of other positives along the way. This idea that they just flopped and it was their fourth consecutive first round exit and everything else here. Yeah, the facts are there. The result was there. But the reason was there, too. And it couldn't have been clearer. The Penguins need, here I go again, this type of goaltending to get deep into the playoffs, whether that means beating the Rangers or the Bruins or the Lightning or whoever it is that they'd run into. They need it. Not want it, not might benefit from it. They need it. They got that in this game against this opponent, who I believe will be an opponent again this coming spring. That's that's a pretty big deal. In a regular season context, I'm not a big fan of uh, blowing up regular season games or suggesting that uh, they could be translated into this or that or whatever. But in this single scenario, this goaltender going out there and beating this team and the Rangers having carried a seven-game winning streak into this, and the Rangers having gotten some really good performances out of their best guys in this game. Yeah, yeah, there's something there. When we come back, J1Q. Today's 
SJ1Q comes from Jay, although it also came from a whole bunch of other people. Why was Brian Dumoulin out there in the final couple of minutes with the Penguins killing that time? You know, I don't have an answer for you. I watch him. I presume that they, the coaching staff, also watches him. This isn't the situation in which to ask that. You can look stupid, and even if the question is completely valid, it can be turned back on you very, very easily by saying, wait a second, what went wrong in the final minute or two? But, but, there will come a time when it's both fitting and appropriate, and I feel like it really shouldn't escape attention that in that last minute, when Mika Zibanejad got that outlet pass and just went flying into the Pittsburgh zone. Now, he's really, really fast, in fairness, and he's capable of doing that past a lot of people. But he went right past Dumoulin, and Dumoulin got his stick across Zibanejad's, looked like his left leg, Zibanejad was tripped. No call was made. Now, there's a super slow-mo of this that suggests that Zibanejad lost an edge, but I'm sorry, that's a tripping call a 100 times out of a 100. And the fact that neither Mika nor the rest of the Rangers nor Gerard Gallant on the bench seemed to have much of a reaction to it was really curious for me. Because if I was any of them, I would have been going nuts if for no other reason than to make some kind of statement. However, however, no call was made. And the Penguins were able to survive, I think is the best way to put it, the remainder of those last couple of minutes. Why is he out there? I believe a couple of things. One is that Dumoulin has played better of late than he did earlier this season. Even if you are his biggest critic, you'd probably have to concede that. I also believe that this coaching staff continues to believe in him and his value when he gets right. And finally, I believe that they believe that he believes that his issue is primarily one of confidence. No, he does not look fast. He does not look like he's able to do the 180 that you need to do there on Zabanajad to make the proper adjustment to make sure that there's a safer gap so that if he does enter the zone flying the way he did, you're giving him at least a little bit of room and yourself some room to adjust. That's more confidence than he it is speed. He's 30 years old. We keep talking about him as if he just reached some, you know, peak and now he's going back down the other side of the hill. And that really doesn't make sense at his age. Way, 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 way more likely is that it's about confidence. That's the one admission he's made throughout all of this is that at times he suffered from a lack of confidence. Well, be that what it may, 
I still don't agree with the coaches putting him out there in that situation. You want to keep playing him? Okay, keep playing him. You want to applaud him as he's making progress along the way? Go ahead and do that too. But in the final minute or two, how about just winning the game? I appreciate the question. I appreciate the spirit in which it was asked. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.